we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. God of revival. Hallelujah. Lord, we need you, God, today. Our Lord is so good. Our God is so good. And I thank God for all that he is, all that he is doing. I thank him for the awakening that is to come, that is to come. Um, I need your prayers this morning. This is going to be a tough one for some of us. Um, because anytime you address sin, it's a tough issue. Um, and we like to look at sin as somebody else. We like to, we like to call it a lot of things. But um, if we're going to see real breakthrough, folks, I'm going to tell you, if it's a desperate time. It's a desperate time, and we need breakthrough. We need a revival. We need a move of God. I'm going to tell you, it's, it's so heavy on my heart, I, I, can't, I can't even begin to, to convey. And I, when I sit down to, to write my messages and uh, pray and talk to God about it, it's, it's overwhelming what I feel in my heart and what I feel like we need to see take place today. And so... I'm going to ask you, if you would, uh, to be in prayer. If you have your Bibles, and uh, I am going to ask this by the request of the congregation when the worship time's over, if we could turn the lights up just a little bit. Some can't see their Bibles real well, and they're wanting to read along. So I know we got it on the screen a lot of times, but just so we can, just a little bit. There we go. Uh, might help some of you read a little better. Um, I've got great light up here because this is right in my face. And I, somebody said, you're looking right at me. I don't see nothing. But, but I'm telling you, you, if you stand right here, it's just right in your face. But uh, again, um, I want us to look at, at Romans today, and we're going to share some scripture. Before we do that, I'm going to get into some, uh, just a little bit of an introduction. Um, I'm a big fan of Tony Evans, and um, I like Tony Evans. I like uh, 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 Andy Stanley. I like uh, just uh, Craig Rochelle and Steve Furtick, a lot of different ministers I like to listen to and read their books. And Jensen Franklin, I've quoted him several times, but um, I have been just preparing this breakthrough series. I've been in a lot of things. I've been looking at a lot of different things. Um, and it's just plain and simple to me. We live in a backslidden world. We live in a world of, that is just turning to evil in, in so many different forms and shapes. Um, we live in a world uh, that has removed God from its center. It's no longer, um, you know, and I, I, I'm going to just go back to and quote a president. President Obama said we are no longer uh, a Christian nation. Um, and when he declared that, it, I, I, I was very upset, but, I, but honest to goodness, we have turned to that. We have turned that Christian values no longer uh, are a part of our society the way they were at the forefront and in our prosperity. We, are, we have taken God from the center of our nation. We've taken God from the center of our world. And a lot of people wonder what direction America is going in. Just look at Europe. 
Just look at Europe because uh, the same things took place there many years ago, and uh, it, it's, that's the direction that we seem to be heading. We see this in everything around us. We see it in our public school systems. We see it in our workplaces. We see where God has been systematically removed as the center of what we need in our society today and in our hearts. Unfortunately, I believe this has bled over into the church, that the church has removed God much from what what it's all about. And we have turned to uh, building social clubs and social events over encounters with the Holy Ghost, encounters with the Holy Spirit, and it is only the Holy Spirit that draws people into uh, repentance, into conviction, and changes the life. And I believe that if we're not careful, we have allowed the spirit of the world to infiltrate us way too much. It's time for the body of Christ to have a breakthrough. It's time for us to stand up and say, no more are we going to play the game of sin and we are going to allow God to come back and be God again. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I'm here to tell you, without that, our loved ones are going to perish. Without that, we're not going to see a move of God. Without that, we're not going to see because God is drawn to a repentant heart. And we must develop, we must develop a lifestyle of repentance. Now, I want you to hold on to that for a second because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying by that. We're going to go back to that in a minute. Uh, many of us want things to get better better and we're not but we're not willing to take the next step we're not willing to to do what's necessary in order to see things get better or you know turn off the social media push back the plate whatever we got to do uh, fast and pray and I'm not just talking about this three weeks I'm talking about throughout the year this shouldn't be our only three weeks of fasting and prayer I'm telling you if 2020 uh, didn't teach us that we need to know 2021 is not off to a great start amen so we as the church need to turn to God we are the thermostat of the of our society. Did you realize that? We are the moral compass of our society. And when the morals within the body of Christ have been compromised, the morals in the world will be ten times as bad as that. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, do you realize that for the first time in the last three years, the divorce rate has been higher within the body of Christ than it is in the world? Something is desperately wrong with that. Something is desperately wrong when, when people who are believers in Christ say, we just ain't going to be together anymore. Okay? Um, and so the divorce rate is higher. Do you realize there are many Christians that, have, that, that today are claiming to be Christians that, that, that embrace abortion as the norm? Folks, murder will never be the norm. And if you don't like that, you walked into the wrong place this morning. Because I'm going to tell you, I believe that life begins at conception. I believe the scripture reveals that when he says, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. I identified who you were going to be. And I'm here to tell you today, there are a lot of people who claim to be followers of Christ that condone that. That troubles me to my core. We can't allow the world to infiltrate us any longer. Today my thoughts are on how we must develop a lifestyle of repentance. Having a lifestyle of repentance does not mean I indulge my sinful lifestyle or behaviors. Having a lifestyle of repentance doesn't mean, well, i got to develop a lifestyle of repentance because I'm not going to quit, quit doing what I'm doing. 
And there's a lot of people that would, would mistake that. No, it means that I must develop a lifestyle of repentance that I realize that I do not want to offend God, that I want to live a life that is right before Him because a life that is right, right before Him is blessed and honored and favored and prospered. But a life that, listen folks, we can't live with one church, uh, one foot in the church world and one foot in, in the world and expect God to bless us any longer. The Scripture would declare to us, how long will you be caught between two opinions? How long will you dance between the world and between the truth? We must make up our minds, are we going to be on the side of God or are we not? Are we going to choose what's right or are we going to choose what's wrong? We can no longer stamp our behaviors as mistakes and shortcomings. We have to call them what it is. Those things that those sins were nailed to the cross of Christ when I was saved, yes. But if I'm not careful, I'll resurrect the things that Jesus redeemed me of. There are times that we fall short of the holy standard of God. In other words, uh, we, we've got to realize what is the holy standard of God. It's not my opinion or your opinion or somebody else's opinion. It's what thus saith the word of the Lord, what God has to say within the Scriptures. That's, what it, that's the, the holy standard. In other words, we have excused this, uh, uh, our sin as mistakes and shortcomings or just bad habits. The Bible defines those things as sin. For, you, for those that knows to do good and does it not, it is sin. We don't like to call it sin because that stings. It hurts. It's painful. Well, I just got this habit I got to get rid of. I just got this bad attitude I got to get rid of. I just, you know what? I like them, but I don't love them. When Jesus says, love your enemies, that's tough. That's tough. Dr. Tony Evans says it this way. In the same way that you don't want trash or garbage, God does not want sin. It's the same way a doctor or a nurse or in a surgical room will sterilize everything and they will fight to keep it from being contaminated. Because one bacteria, one virus can contaminate that patient and it can spread sickness uh, in a vast way. God cannot have any relationship without sin and maintain His holy integrity. In other words, you say, well, I've got the covering of Christ. That is true. But we have used the covering of Christ as an excuse to do whatever. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a breakthrough. I'm ready for God to move into Tuga County. And it's going to come when the church begins to set the atmosphere instead of allowing ourselves to be affected by what's going on in the world. In other words, listen, if there's ever been a time that the church needs to be unified, it is today. Why does the church need to be unified today? Because we live in such an ununified world. The world is hungry and searching for something that has integrity, something that has truth, something they can rely on that is going to not change with every wind of doctrine. Something that stands firm. Amen. This simply means... You and I have to deal with things with God. In other words, God is looking for you and I to deal with, the or deal with our sin. Sin has consequences. Come on. I ain't getting many amens this morning. That's okay. As long as you're hearing it. Sin has consequences. And if we're not careful... Many people want to deal, they want their consequences gone, but they don't want to deal with the cause. Come on. 
You know, I want my heart problems over, but I'm not giving up my cheeseburgers. Come on. I, 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 I don't want to have lung cancer, but I'm not going to quit smoking. I don't want to, come on folks, I, I, I want to do certain, I want God to bless my finances, but guess what? I'm not going to, I'm going to spend more than I make. There are consequences to our actions. God will forgive any sin. I, I, want you to, I want to make that clear. Whatever you bring to the cross, God will forgive and wash clean, and that's a reason to rejoice. However, there are consequences to our actions. Amen? He will wash us clean, but yet I may have to pay the price for some of the things I've done. Amen. Amen. What are you saying? This simply means that I is saying uh, we must deal with things. Many people want their consequences gone without dealing with their sin. In other words, God, take away my consequences of my actions, but let me continue to do what hurts your heart. Come on. Forgive me, but let me continue in my path. Forgive me, but let me. I've got news for you. God cannot bless a life that is in the process of continuing in sin. I'm fixing to give you some scripture. Just hold on. Repentance is defined as an internal decision to decide to turn from my sin. It's me making up inside of my life that I am going to ask God's forgiveness and turn from my sin. Repentance, you've heard me preach many times, means an about face, a change of direction. It means I'm no longer going in the path I was once in, but I am changing my direction. You say, I don't know how to change my direction. I've got news for you. Whenever I lose my way, I go back to where I started from and I retrace my steps from there. Where did I start? I started at a place called Calvary I started at the old rugged cross I started with saying God forgive me sometimes we need to go back to that place of repentance so that we can gain our sense of direction once again mm. without an internal determination there cannot be true and lasting repentance or true repentance in our life then I must learn to live. If I don't do that, I must learn to live with the consequences of my sin. What are the consequences of sin? I'm going to give you uh, uh, the biblical consequences of sin first of all. Romans 6, 20-23 says, says this, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free to, in regards of righteousness. In other words, you didn't have to obey God when you were, when you were slaves to sin. You could do whatever you wanted. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are, you are now ashamed. I want you to kind of underline that. We're going to go back to that. For the end of those things is death. Verse 22 says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and it ends in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, I want you to realize this morning that there are consequences, yes, to our actions. But the ultimate consequence is, our, is, is going to lead us to death. This has never been the physical death that God is concerned about. It is the spiritual death. I want you to understand when the Bible speaks of death, it is not necessarily talking about... Every time Jesus went to somebody that died, he said they were asleep. Death is eternal separation from God. 
Death is when I am permanently separated from His presence. Yes, that's a place called hell. And it's real, and we don't hear about it enough. What are the consequences of, of sin ultimately according to Romans 6, verse 10, 13? It leads to death. Verse 21 says this, But what fruit are you getting at the time from the, of the things of which you are now ashamed? In other words, he's saying, what fruit came out of that? What fruit came out of your sin? Come on. Anybody, anything ever good come out of your sin? <laughs> when you sow that sin in your life, all it's going to bring is hurt, heartache, and pain. I've never gotten anything good out of sin. All it's ever done is lead to a bad road in my life and one bad decision after another bad decision. It's like telling a lie. Once you tell a lie, you got to do what? Tell another one. you got to keep on till you protect that one. And it begins to get more elaborate and more elaborate. And before long, you don't even remember what the original lie was. You've just become what? A liar. And the Bible says what? All liars have their part in the lake of fire. What is he saying? He's saying, listen folks, there are consequences to our sin. But when you live a life that you say, God, remove the sin, or, but, or remove the consequences, but I want to keep on sinning, you'll begin to try to deal with your own consequences. How will I do that? People will try to entertain their way out of them. They will try to, uh, to, uh, to buy their way out of them. They will blame others for their problems and their sin. It's your fault I'm where I'm at. It's their fault that I'm where I'm at. You will jump from relationship to relationship trying to make, uh, them, them not th make you not think of the consequences. People are constantly turning to other things to try to distract them from the consequences because they don't want to really deal with the root of the problem and that is sin. And if we are going to see breakthrough and revival in our county and our community, I'm here to tell you I am calling the church to repentance. We must come back to the starting point and ask God to forgive so that we can begin to deal with the world that is around us with righteousness and truth. Yes. God says, if you will truly repent and deal with your sin by giving it to me, and turning from, from it, then what does he say to us? He says, then I will help you face your consequences. You see, sin separates me from God. As a matter of fact, I've used this many times before. Anybody ever feel like they can't get a breakthrough in their prayer life? Okay, you just struggled with that. I guess I'm the only one. You've struggled with a breakthrough. You prayed and you don't feel like you feel God. You don't feel like you get an answer. Let me just say something to you. When you get to that place, you've got to go back to the last time God really spoke to you and ask yourself, did I obey Him? Did I obey Him? Did I follow through with what God was speaking into my life? And if you can't say you followed through with it, then guess what? There's not going to be another breakthrough until you go back and obey what God said originally. I hear people saying, I want more of Jesus, but I feel like Jesus is saying, why don't you do with some of the Jesus I've given you already? 
I want more of the Spirit. Why don't you do something with the Spirit that I've already given you, Phil? I want you to move forward for Christ. I want you to make an impact in this world. But if you're not willing to obey me, I'm, look, we are a people of the preceding word. What did, what, did, what did Jesus answer the devil when he said to him, make these stones into bread? He said, he said if you're the Son of God, make these stones into bread. What did, and believe me, I believe it was hot, fresh bread with honey butter. I don't know what, I, I believe he was, he was tempting him to the mouth. Amen. And what did Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but out of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In the Greek, that word proceed is present tense continuum, which means it is, it is for now and it keeps going on. In other words, God is a God of fresh word. God is a God of current word. And God is wanting to speak to his people. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to hear from heaven. I'm ready to hear from God. And I gotta, if I'm going to hear from him, then I have to do what? I have to apply the principles of 2 Chronicles which says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and what? Turn from their wicked ways, their sin. Then I will hear from heaven. Oh my goodness. I'm ready to hear from God. I don't know about you. I'm going to tell you how I spent this week going to sleep saying God invade my dreams. God, invade my thoughts. God, let me only think of you. God, let my heart be filled with only you. God, I want to hear from you. God, I need a word from you. I need that preceding word in my life. But guess what? If you have not obeyed the preceding word that he last spoke to you, you will find yourself in a very dry place till you go back and obey. Amen? It may as be as simple as asking somebody to forgive you. It can be that simple. I don't want to ask them to forgive me. They'll feel like I'm admitting my blame. Well, who cares? God's telling you to do it. Don't worry about what they think. Would you rather have satisfaction of, uh, uh, you know, would you rather have satisfaction of knowing they didn't get the last word or would you have satisfaction of knowing that God has forgiven you and God has spoken to you? I would rather have what God says in my life. How about you? In other words, God says, if you will truly repent and deal with your sin by giving it to me and turn from your, from your sin, he says, then I will come alongside you and I will help you deal with your consequences. Too many people, they want the sin, they want, they want to keep the sin, but they don't want to, they, God, just take away the consequences. God is saying, no, I can't because I'm too holy to do that. But once you are forgiven, God steps into your world and he says, now together we'll deal with the consequences. Amen. And that doesn't always mean taking them away. Sometimes that means giving you grace to get through it. Amen. Sometimes that gives you grace. I want to break it down. Number one, to repent is to recognize sin. If we're not willing to begin to recognize it, Oh my goodness. If we're not willing to, to, to get to a place, or a, a place in the altar or in our prayer closet to say, search me, oh God. Look into my life, God. Put it under the microscope, God. I've been listening to a song called Refiner. And, and in the bridge of that song, it says, burn me, God, till I'm holy. Burn me, God, till I'm righteous. Burn me, God, till there's only you. I want to be in the presence of this holy God, this all-consuming fire, till all that's left is what God wants in my life. How about you? Because I'm here to tell you, the world doesn't need what the church has to say. The world doesn't need what Harvest works. 
worship center has to say. They need to hear what heaven has to say. And I'm here to tell you, when we begin to preach heaven's message, the world is going to hear and respond. Amen. Amen. In other words, we must first recognize sin. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This ought to be highlighted in every Bible. If we confess our sins. In the original language, the word confess means to say the same thing. To say the same thing. So in the Greek language, the word confess means to say the same thing. So I have to say the same thing about my sin that God says about my sin. And what what does God say about all sin? He says it's an offense to me. It's an offense to me. And unless I'm willing to recognize and confess my sin, in other words, say the same thing that God has to say about it. In other words, too many people are getting their friend's opinion about their sin. (laughs) Oh, everybody has a habit. Everybody's got a bad habit, Pastor. Everybody's got this, Pastor. Everybody makes mistakes, Pastor. I'm not talking about, you know, you made a mistake and, and uh, you know, did something silly like, you know, put salt instead of sugar in your bread. I don't know. You know, I'm not talking about something silly. I'm talking about sin. Real things that, that, that have moved. We're going to get into that. Hold on. You and I must say the same thing that God has to say about our sins. This means I quit making excuses. And I call it what it is. Amen? I call it what it is. What is it? It's sin. I quit listening to other people's opinions and I quit making my own excuses about it. And I agree with God that sin is sin. That's the first thing I must do. Everybody look at somebody and say, the first thing you got to do is recognize. The second thing you must do is have remorse over your sin. you got to feel bad about it. I know a lot of, a lot of people don't feel bad about, about sin. you got to feel bad about it. And there's more to this word remorse. We're going to get that in a moment. 2 Corinthians 7 verses 10 through 11 says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. For we foresee for, for what uh, earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourself, uh, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have been proved, you have proved yourself innocent in the matter. Now I want to stop right there and I want to kind of dissect this verse. The word, this translation says, for godly grief, others say for, uh, for godly sorrow. And there is a difference, by the way, and, and uh, I love this clarification. I'm going to do another quote from Tony Evans right here in a second because it's just, he summed it up great. Godly sorrow is not the same as feeling bad about my circumstances. Okay? Anybody ever been in church and felt guilty over something? Anybody ever been in church and came and prayed and not felt guilty because the pastor just hammered you too hard? Okay? That is, let me, let me just break it down this way. Worldly grief or worldly sorrow is when I get caught. Okay? When I get caught. All right? We call it jailhouse repentance sometimes, okay? In other words, when I am caught, it's easy for me to be sorry. 
You know what? As a kid, I experienced that over and over again because I was a little bit mischievous. I know y'all cannot believe that about me, but it's true. It's absolutely true. I was a little bit on the mischievous side, and, and I, I can never forget. I, I could care less. It's funny. I was talking to my mom this week, and we was talking about uh, in church because dad was a pastor, mom was a piano player, and so uh, a lot of times I would, I would uh, be up to something. And mom was talking about the times that I sat with a lot of deacons and their wives growing up. Keep me out of trouble. But I told mom, I said, well, I got a little confession because I'm fixing to preach on sin. I said, a lot of times when I went to the altar and cried and prayed is because I was afraid of the spanking, not afraid of God. I was caught. I was caught. Anybody got real sorry when they got caught. <laughs> I'm caught, now I want to repent. That is worldly sorrow. That is worldly grief. But to truly have godly grief or godly sorrow means that I realize that my sins have offended and hurt the heart of God. To realize that it goes beyond just being caught. It goes beyond just being in trouble. It means that I have offended this holy, wonderful God that gave His only Son for me. And when we really have, the Bible says according to Corinthians, when I really have godly grief, and not just worldly grief, not just worldly sorrow, but when I really have godly sorrow, I will come to the altar, I will cling to the cross, and I will find real forgiveness, real freedom, and real peace in my life. But it does not come just because I feel sorry. It comes because I have godly sorrow. Another word for that is conviction. In other words, we're going to have a breakthrough in this nation, in this church. We've got to deal with what's before us. We have to deal with the walls of sin that have been built around our lives. And the church must begin to command those walls to crumble in Jesus' name. We must begin to realize we were not called into this world to, to fit in. And to blend in. We were called into this world to stand out and to be different. We are strangers. We are aliens. I'm here to tell you God is ready to put His mark on our lives. How does He put our mark on His lives? He, he identifies us as His. Now that doesn't mean... You know, there's been some crazy people follow Jesus. And I mean legitimately crazy people. We used to think holiness meant how long your hair was. Or how long your dress was. Sin was how short your dress was. Come on. Now I do believe in modesty. Don't, don't mistake that. But we could wash the outside and look at, make it look clean and holy. But inside our heart was full of hate, deceit, all kinds of evil, all kinds of envies and all kinds of things that were not like God, that offended God and hurt God. But yet we could look the part on the outside. What are you saying, Pastor? It is easy for me to be a Christian when I'm around other Christians, but I must be willing to serve God and be marked of Him even when I'm in this world. Look, He said you're in this world, but you're not to be of this world. You and I have, look, we cannot afford to strive to blend anymore. We can't be afraid to be labeled a, a, a follower of Jesus. And there's more to being a Christian than putting a Harvest Worship Center logo on your car. 
There's more to being a Christian than buying a t-shirt that says, I love Jesus. I can have that t-shirt that says, I love Jesus, and my life contradict what's written on the shirt through my actions, through my sin. God is calling the church to repentance. And you say, oh no, you're the only one preaching this, pastor. I've got news for you. Pastors that are seeking the heart of God, I don't care what denomination they belong to. I don't care what brand name of Christianity they have on their sign. They are preaching the same message because he's the same God and he is crying out to the church, repent, 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 and I will send revival and healing to the land. We'll say it again, your hope is not found in a vaccine. Say, well, I'm going to get it. You're against it. If you get it, that's between you and God. I don't care. More power to you. That's not what the issue is. What I'm saying is your hope for a normal life is not found in that. Because look, you can take a vaccine and it can eradicate the virus, COVID-19. But if you still got a spiritual grievance between you and God, there's only one antidote and that's the blood of Emmanuel's veins. That's the blood of of the cross applied to your life. That's the only antidote. Doesn't the word declare, fear not the one that can destroy the body? Better worry about your eternal consequences. I better worry about my eternal consequences. Godly sorrow leads to a change in my life. In other words, if we're going to have a breakthrough in this nation, we have to deal with our sin. We have to deal with what's going on. And it's going to come through a broken and contrite spirit as the psalmist declares. The definition of sin is simply this, any violation of the divine standard. What is the divine standard? It's the Word of God. You're saying, oh, you're going back to legalistic terms. No, I'm not. I'm trying to put put a... Look, just because Jesus fulfilled the law doesn't mean I disregard the truth. I still got to live right. As a matter of fact, what, what grace did is take away the excuse. See, there was a time we could have probably stood before God and said, it's impossible, God. We tried to follow your law. We keep falling short of it. No man can fulfill this. And he said, you know, you're right. That's why I sent my son to do what you could not do. And because grace is here, the divine, I've heard grace defined many ways, but my favorite definition of grace is this, divine enablement. Grace enables me to do what I cannot do myself and on my own. Grace enables me to take my bad habit, my sin, and put it under the blood of Jesus and begin to walk away and repent of it. No longer. I'm about face. I'm I'm walking away from that. Grace enables me to love my enemy. Grace enables me to fulfill the commandments with joy, not with, with heart. Look, if you are fulfilling God's law and you are grieved by it and you are despising it, then I want to invite you to understand grace because real grace produces a love for the Word of God, not a despised spirit, not a, a, a spirit that says, I don't want, I can't stand when they preach truth because it's, look, folks we need God we need God in our community we need God in our our, our nation we're not going to get God not living by a standard grace enables me to do what I cannot do on my own there's no way I can do some of the things I I set out to do without God I got to have his grace in other words the divine standard is not hidden from us 
And a lot of people get baffled when they read in Revelations and says, Behold, the books were open and they were judged out of the books. What books do you think he's talking about? It would be a cruel God to hide from you some secret hidden agenda. Saying, all right, you're now at heaven and guess what? You didn't know this, Maddie, but this book you've never seen before. I'm going to judge you from it. No. He says, I've given you my word. I've given you my standard. And out of the books, we, were, we will be judged. Out of it, you say, yeah, but, but I'm covered. Yeah, I, oh, God, help us. Quit using grace as an excuse. What are you saying? Romans 6, 1 through 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Or I like what one translation says, God forbid. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? How can we continue on if we're free from it? In other words, you and I come to Jesus with all our guilt. We come to the cross with all our sin. In our legal system, there's a thing called double jeopardy. In other words, if I'm tried for a specific crime and I'm acquitted, I can't be retried for that crime. That same crime, I'm acquitted. In God's courtroom, when you and I are forgiven, we are acquitted. We are forgiven. But God goes a step further. And look, once you're acquitted, nothing's on your record. It's expunged. It's gone. You're declared innocent. But in the court of public opinion, your guilt may remain. Okay? With God, I come to Him with all my sin. He forgives me. He washes my soul. He washes me clean. He does not acquit. He justifies. And there's a difference. Acquitting means that the guilt was never proven, though it may have been there. Amen? Justification means just as if I had never sinned. So that means our God forgives and truly forgets. He offers a clean record. He offers a breakthrough. I believe with all my heart God is ready to break through into our world in a mighty way. I believe we stand on the brink of a great revival. But I believe it's how you and I react that will either hasten it or delay it. How do I hasten the move of God? Through repentance. I want us to stand. We live in a politically correct world. It's going to get worse in the days to come. Do you see the new ridiculous house rules? You can't refer to someone as a mother anymore or as a father. We're going to be gender neutral. 
thought it was pretty funny. Our own speaker violated her own rules the other day. She called herself a wife and a mother. Ridiculous. This whole thing's ridiculous. But I wonder if we're not like Israel. And we're so dissatisfied we're looking for a king. We just need somebody to fix it. And all along God is saying, if my people who are called by my name, how much more will it take till humility hits you? Till it hits me. What are you talking about? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. You see, there's a time that we stand in prayer, and I believe God acknowledges that. But there's a reason we kneel. For kneeling is an act of humility. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Humble myself what? I humble myself to my own definition of my own sin. My justification of it. And I will listen to what God's definition is. And I will pray. And I will what? Repent. Turn from my wicked ways. So when I just do a few crazy things. I'm not wicked. The Bible calls it wickedness. See, because we don't truly understand the nature and the holiness of God. I told you it wouldn't be an easy one. But today, we need to find the Lord. I'm going to ask you, if you would, just to take a moment and just pray this prayer before I go any further. Lord, search my heart. Search me, oh God. If there's any wrong way in me, God, bring it to the surface. Anything that has offended you, God. Anything that's offended heaven. One of the most humbling acts is to walk to an altar. Because we, we get worried, don't we? What are people going to think? What are people going to think about me? They're going to think I'm out here doing all kinds of wrong. Who cares what people think? You better, you better be concerned about what God thinks. Can you pray that? Oh, search me, oh God. Look into my life. And this morning, if you need to do some business with God, I just want you to start to make your way to this altar. Just start to make your way. You want revival? It comes with, I've, I've given you the answer. I really have. I believe the Word has given you the answer today. We must repent. And if we look in our lives and we say we have nothing to repent of, God help us. God help us. Is there anyone that would just obey the Lord's call today? I'll pray when I get home. Sometimes we need to pray while the Spirit's moving. While we feel the urgency of the Lord. Right now, I'm telling you, God's ready to revive some of us. 
Some of us, we haven't felt the closeness of the Lord in our life in a long time, and God's ready to breathe freshness into us. Some of us haven't received a preceding word in a long time. God's ready to speak to us. And the only thing between us and an encounter with Him is repentance. There are some others. Come on, church. Come on, church. If my people who are called by my name, he wasn't talking to the world, he was talking to the church. He's talking to the church today. There are some others. There are some others. We want to do it under a cloak. We want to do it in our own private time. But I'm telling you, if we're going to see a move of God, if we're going to see a change in our life, it's going to come through repentance. It's going to come through godly sorrow. It's going to come through saying, God, I've hurt your heart. I've hurt your heart through my actions, God. I've violated you. I've violated my relationship with you, God, and I am so sorry. So, God, I turn to you. I turn to you with all my heart. I turn to you because, God, if I don't turn to you, then, Lord, I am doomed because your scripture says I can't have that close relationship with you as long as sin is the roadblock in the path. God, I acknowledge today, I recognize today that, Lord, I am lost without you. There's a song we sing that says, Break my heart, God, for what breaks yours. What breaks God's heart is sin. Say, oh, you you painted a picture. He's out to get me. No, he's not. (laughs) He's out to save you. He's out to redeem you and make you whole. Obey the Lord, I promise you. You won't regret it. You want your life to work out. It begins at the cross. You've lost your direction, come find your compass at the cross. Don't know where to go or what next next step is, find your direction at the cross. Amen. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.